Hi there guys, and today we're going to be talking all about sciatica, that sort of electric pain that goes into the buttocks and down the leg. Uh, we're gonna go through what it is, what it isn't, a little bit on how you can treat it, and then at the end of the video, uh, we're gonna go through three steps for dealing with it that work no matter what stage of sciatica you've got. And then at the very end, as always with our live streams, we're gonna go through Q&A. So if you've got any questions, Lara is behind the camera. She'll take those questions down and we'll go through them at the end of the live stream and if you're new to the channel please do consider subscribing um we do these videos every single weekday we go live we do q a at the end of those live streams so hopefully you guys can join us for future ones ask questions and really help you guys solve your back pain your neck pain uh, from home so So that's the second day on the truck where we've uh, moved to the intro a little bit prematurely. Um, but anyway, uh, so today's topic, we're going to be talking about what sciatica is. Uh, we're going to be talking about what it isn't, uh, what treatments help, uh, what ones don't. And then I'll go through those three steps uh, to fixing it. So I thought I'd start off with going through what sciatica is, if you sort of go by the textbook sort of definition. And it's going to be like the title of today's video said, it's going to be that sort of burning, that lancinating electric pain that goes from the buttocks is going to go all the way down the leg, down the back of the leg, the back, very, very important. And what this is, is essentially there's going to be some inflammation. It could be inflammation. It could be a disc bulge. It could be arthritic change. It could be stenosis. It could be a number of reasons why you have sciatica. Uh, but it's all going to stem from this section down here. Now, in today's video, just a little disclaimer, I'm not going to talk about piriformis syndrome. We've done videos like that on that before. We're going to completely discount that for today. Uh, so if you've got what you think is piriformis syndrome or has been diagnosed with piriformis syndrome, go ahead and watch one of our other videos uh, on the, that we've done on live stream and you can access those easily on our YouTube channel. So we're going to talk about the lumbogenic sort of sciatic pain, which if you've watched those piriformis videos, you'll know is most of it anyway. So it's going to come from these lower two segments predominantly. It's going to be a dysfunction at the 4-5 or a dysfunction at the 5-S1, which is going to irritate these little nerve roots, uh, the 4-5-5-S1 uh, or the, uh, sorry, the 4-5 the or the S1 nerve roots. And those are then going to contribute to the sciatic nerve somewhere around here in our pelvic girdle. And then it's going to go down the one leg. Now, the, 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 the definition of this is that it goes down that one leg. It goes all the way down the leg. It goes down the back of the leg. And that is basically the root of the sciatic nerve. It's that the whole thing is giving you that lancinating pain. Now, the reality of this is this is very, very infrequent. And furthermore, um, it's not actually helpful from a diagnostic point of view. Because as I started out, it's some sort of injury that's happened in here that is irritating that sciatic nerve, giving you the sciatic type pain. So uh, sciatica, if you think of it more as arm pain or leg pain, Sciatica as a diagnosis doesn't really help you because it doesn't allow you as a patient to really understand your problem and what to do about it. Because too, all too often we see patients get caught up on the actual leg symptoms and that really is problematic. Now, what are the types of sciatica or sciatica are there? We've got them on the board behind me. We've got pain in the buttock. We've got pain in the back and the buttock. We've got pain in the legs, the thighs, the foot, the, sh the toe, the big toe commonly, the shin and the lower back again. Some of some in some patients you have an amalgamation of many of those. For others you have some without without others. For some you have it all. And the the important distinction is that true true sciatica is a lancinating electric type pain that goes the whole way down the length of the nerve. But I've written on the board behind me 
does it really matter whether you have these symptoms, which would be some amalgamation of sciatic type origin, or have we got the true lancinating sciatic pain? The reality is they both come from the same section of your lumbar spine. They're both going to be result, uh, the result of some sort of lower lumbar injury, be that the 4-5 junction, which is the green to the orange, or the 5-S1, sorry, 4-5 junction, which is the green to green, or the 5-S1, which is the green to the orange. It's some sort of injury down here can give you these sorts of symptoms. And if you've got pain that's coming down the front of the thigh, it's, it's not technically sciatica. Unfortunately, the biggest issue with sciatica that we find in the clinic is that patients are diagnosed with sciatica just because the GP wants to give you something. Oh, it's sciatica, don't worry. And it's pain down the front of the thigh, or it's buttock pain, or it's hamstring pain. A really common one is that we have pain going down the backs of the thighs. And with, with that pain going down the back of those thighs, they, they assume it's sciatica, oh, it's just sciatica. Well, that invariably is the hamstrings tightening up in response to an injury down here because the L5S1 controls those hamstrings so they go into tension. So you're starting to see that actually the sciatica isn't really a helpful diagnosis. Something causes sciatica same, the same way something causes leg pain, something causes back pain, something causes that buttock pain. And if we can get past that first step, that first hurdle of being hung up on the name of sciatica, then we can start exploring what treatments we should or shouldn't be doing. So what treatments don't help? I'm going to start with those and go in reverse order. The, the, the first thing with regards to treatments is that we want to be treating where the source of the problem is. So we need to know where the source of the problem is. And if we get caught up on the symptoms in the leg, maybe it's that burning shin pain, or maybe it is that sort of lancinating pain that goes down the back of the leg, then if we're, if we're constantly focusing on massage treatments or acupuncture or those sorts of things for that leg, we're not really going to get too far. And the reason it might work is because quite often with sciatica, you're going to get a degree of muscle spasm. And that muscle spasm and restriction in the legs is going to have an impact on the lower back. It means that our famous hip joint, if the, if the posterior chain down here, the hamstrings, the calves, glutes, have all tightened up because of the pain, either a reaction to the pain, you tense up when there's pain, or this low-grade uh, inhibition coming down from that actual uh, injury site, the nerves, then as we bend forwards, we don't have much in the way of hip flexibility so that the movement starts to come through the lower back. So it aggravates the lower back in that way. So if, we're, if we are treating the hamstrings, for example, with some massage, it might provide some temporary relief because it allows the hamstring and to, to ease the hip movement so the hip can move a bit better for a period of time. But it's not addressing the underlying issue because that hamstring is going to tighten back up again as soon as we re-aggravate the lower back, which we will if we're only working on hamstring stretching. So that's just a simple example. It could be hamstring acupuncture, it could be hamstring massage, it could be a number, it could be even be vibration therapy. We, 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 we talk about these on, on other live streams, these vibration tools, they're awesome, we use them in the clinic, but if they're, if they're the only treatment that you're doing, they're not really going to get to the bottom of the, bottom of the issue, and they're not going to deal with sciatica effectively. And, and for the purpose of this video, I'm just going to refer to, it, refer to it all, this chunk of symptoms, including the electric burning pain in the burn and in the leg as sciatica, because it helps you guys really sort of see that it's all kind of one thing. Now, commonly patients, another big one that we see is that patients will say, um, oh, my sciatica switched sides, and this is just the truth of the whole thing. Oh, it was on my left and now it's on my right. That really does highlight it. The nerve doesn't swap sides, okay? The common origin, your lumbar spine, if we have a disc injury or something in the lower back, that can cause symptoms to switch from left to right. But sciatica doesn't switch to left to right. It's not gonna be more on one side and more on the other. You haven't injured both sciatic nerves. Um, or, or damage them. Uh, 
separately in the leg, it's been coming from this lower back region where the roots of those nerves can be influenced at the same time on both sides. So we have to bear that in mind. It's a lower back issue. Now, what treatments do work? Treatments that are addressing the fundamental cause of the problem, which is sciatica is a lower back problem. It's an issue in the lumbar spine. I've mentioned a few of those conditions before. I've mentioned the disc bulges, so slip disc bulges, herniated disc, dehydrated and degenerative discs, spondylosis, spondylarthrosis, spondylolisthesis can also give you things like sciatica. That's where the, the bones shift and fall forwards, and that can be degenerative, or it can be traumatic and, and result of a fracture. A number of conditions can irritate these structures in the lower back, give you nerve-related pain that goes down the leg, and get you in a bit of trouble. But in nine times out of ten, it's not actually going to be the nerve that's injured. It's going to be the nerve that's being irritated. And that frequently is not a permanent process. If your symptoms come and go, if there's any fluctuation whatsoever in your symptoms, it's highly likely, highly unlikely that there's any sort of serious permanent nerve damage. Uh, and that's a really important thing for you as an individual to know because some people do get, sciatica can really be quite draining. Um, you have to bear in mind that on a daily basis, most of our energy expenditure is keeping what's called homeostasis, that's balance. So every time we send a signal along a nerve, it requires energy, sodium and potassium in particular, to reset that nerve. We use active energy to move those, those molecules from one side of the nerve outside back in and vice versa to, to move them so that the nerve is ready to send another signal. If you've got constant, severe sciatic pain, that's constantly shooting pain down your leg on a daily basis, it, it requires a lot of energy to constantly reset those nerves so you can fire another signal, which to be honest, if you've got a sciatica, you don't want any more signals. But <laughs> that's by the by. It allows, it's trying to help you guys understand why you might feel so fatigued because you are burning a lot of energy trying to keep these nerves firing inadvertently because of this injury in the lower back. So we need to get on top of it and we need to do the right treatments and treatments that focus on the leg just aren't going to cut it. We want to be treating the lower back. So from a point of view of in clinic, what we do, we're talking about using decompression, we're talking about just like the IDD therapy to unload that spine, to take pressure off that spine here, uh, to allow these discs to get a bit of a breather, to open up the spaces in that lower back. We're talking about doing laser therapy to improve the healing in that area, all these sorts of things which are really cool. But what can you do at home? There are things that you can do. And I'll talk about these three steps now. I've got them written on the board behind me, so I'll share those with you guys. And hopefully that'll really make sense. And as a little bit of a spoiler, these work for everything. Doesn't matter whether you've got a shoulder problem, a lower back problem, if you follow these three steps, you're going to have success with treating your issues. It may take longer, it may take less time, depending on the severity and the chronicity of that injury and the other movement patterns and things that you're doing that are making it worse, but this works for everything. So first and foremost, we need to identify, that's a little eye by the way, very good drawing again, Identify the injured tissue. What is injured? And this is why sciatica is such a problem because people misidentify. They, they're focused on the burning pain and why wouldn't you be because it hurts in my leg, but they don't actually treat the cause of the problem. And we get literally patients coming in and because we know, and even some of the members in back and shape, we, we know that sciatica comes from the lower back. So we'll refer to it as your back problem, but, but patients will refer to it as the leg problem. And that disconnect there, we just do it because we're, we're, you know, you're not even thinking, it, it, you know exactly what's going on, but the patient doesn't. And if a patient's constantly talking about a leg problem, they're going to be treating it like a leg problem, which is why we're not actually addressing the injured tissue. And therefore, what hope have we got of healing it? We might get some luck, but we're not going to heal it effectively. That's the first thing. Identify that injured tissue. Second thing is decrease further injury and increase healing. So how do we do that? We're going to reduce the stress on those tissues. 
We're going to stop doing excessive hamstring stretches. So we're going to stop doing things like knee hugs because those are going to probably make the lower back worse. And I refer to the hamstring stretches because a lot of people do them wrong. You do probably need to do a hamstring stretch to keep mobility, as we discussed in the Back in Shape membership site, which I'm not going to labor on too much today. You do probably need to do those stretches, but they need to be done in a way that does not aggravate your back. And some of the sciatic techniques, like nerve flossing, for example, involve you, and you guys can't maybe see me quite as well, but you round all of this and then straighten your leg. We create a massive stretch the whole way through the spine. We're literally crumpling the whole thing over and then straighten your leg to kind of pull that nerve. This is just awful. Um, it's, it's I, I just can't understand why people get told to do this exercise. Well, I, I can, but it, it's just so silly. It's not at all helpful to the underlying problem. It's not at all considering what the injured tissue is. It's just taking that nerve that may be irritated by a bony fragment, maybe it's some osteophytosis, little bits of sort of arthritis, and just rubbing that nerve on, on there it, in the hope to sort of loosen it or something like that. It, it, it really is very silly. So it's not... It's not decreasing further injury if anything it's creating more inflammation and it's it's going to not be increasing the healing because you're going to be loading back down on those discs that may be contributing to the problem and in most cases they are contributing to the problem and then once we've done that we've started to get a bit of healing we start to get a bit of momentum as soon as is possible and practical we tend to say if you can move around for sort of 10 to 15 minutes you're ready to move on to a bit of conservative strengthening we need to protect from future damage a lot of you guys that are watching this video, if you've got sciatica, you'll have had it for a long period of time. It's not something you've had for a day or a week. It's something that's been there maybe on and off for a longer period of time. And all too often, people maybe go through the healing phase or start going through some healing. And we discussed inappropriate healing yesterday on yesterday's live stream on slip discs. But we don't do the proper exercises to protect from future damage. And it's that protective function of the core of, of good mobility in the hips and building up some strength to protect the lower back from further injury that helps the sciatica go and stay gone for the long term so we don't get frequent relapses. And really the, the real difficulty with this part is getting enough progress in terms of the strengthening work to get to a point where you're safe before you have a relapse because a lot of people that are chron chronically suffering from sciatica they will have a little bit more difficulty because they've lost a lot of muscle support, they've lost a lot of control, there is a lot of stiffness. So they, they, they struggle to get to a point where they've built up enough muscle mass before they have a little relapse through, from, through no fault of their own, really, just a sheer accident. Maybe you miss the curb or something like that and, and slip a little bit and it jars the back and re-aggravates the area. But do persist, do persist, because each time you get a bit further on in the strengthening, you keep those strengthening improvements, you keep that core competence you learn to re-engage the core once and then you can do it. Uh, once you've mastered that, it may take you a week or two, but then you've got that ability to engage your core to protect your spine. And then we just layer it on over time and really start to protect that lower back from future damage and therefore deal with the sciatica in a more effective way. Now, just before we get into q and I'll just kind of wrap it up and refresh things and have one final caveat before we do that, which is some of you guys will have had some element of surgery. Maybe it's a, a laminectomy, maybe it's a disectomy. Uh, maybe it was injections or, or whatever it may be, and that may have irritated the nerves. And we do see a, a number of patients, uh, a little bit more unfortunate, where they've had surgical intervention and it's nicked the nerve, and that's created a bit of nerve damage, and they've got, say, numbness in the big toe, which is kind of permanent. But they've also got the other symptoms. If you've had a surgical intervention and that's resulted in some of these symptoms, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to deal with those, and you really need to get a bit more one-on-one -on -one advice and guidance on those particular topics. But if you haven't had the surgery, that's resulted in that sort of numbness, uh, then it's, it's highly likely that we can really get rid of 
more or less everything and rehab you properly. And, and if you follow these principles, even from home, with things like the Back in Shape membership site and those exercises that we go through, they're safe exercises that build slowly with the right ones, keeping you going through the right processes so you can deal with sciatica once and for all and really get it resolved properly. So what is sciatica? The true sciatica is that burning, lancinating, shooting pain that goes the length of the sciatic nerve from in here all the way down one continuous line down the back of the leg and into the foot where the sciatic nerve actually tracks is very, very clear, very distinctive symptoms. What is it not or the fake or misdiagnosed sciatica? Well, it's going to be any amalgamation of pain that may or may not have back pain, glute, hamstrings. Sometimes it's misdiagnosed on the front of the thigh just to help patients have a diagnosis. A little bit lazy in my opinion. It can be calf pain, it can be burning pain in the calf, it can be toe pain. It's all going to stem from the same part of your lower back, which is those lower two vertebra in the lumbar spine and the sacrum. It's a, that region that is the danger zone, so to speak. And to be completely honest, that's the most commonly injured part of the lower back, 4-5 and 5-S1. We don't want to do treatments that focus on the leg exclusively because they're not doing anything for the target tissue, which we mentioned. And we do want to be doing treatments that decompress, unload that section of the spine help it get a bit of breather using things like ice instead of heat and really helping with a conservative rehab process that is progressive for the long term and that way we'll deal with it effectively with that going to q a okay awesome um do you want to just change yeah i'll just change the mic over morning everybody okay so we've got a couple of questions coming through i just wanted to ask you um because we do get some patients that you know with the icing protocol they'll start icing where the where they feel the pain so they'll start icing the leg yeah. Um, do you have any comments on that and where they should actually be? Yeah, guys, quite often um, we're getting you guys uh, message us and say, oh, I put ice on the leg. It might be in the group. It might be on email. It might be on YouTube notifications, people commenting on videos. Don't, even patients in the clinic, don't ice the leg. If this is for you and it works for you, I know I've t discussed a little bit more today on the topic of treatment, but treatment includes the rehab. So many of you guys that are doing the back in shape uh, protocols, uh, the phase one, phase two, phase three, um, this still applies to you. We need to understand and register where is the injury and the ice goes where the injury is. So the ice is over the injured tissue. If we've misidentified the injured tissue and we're still thinking it's piriformis or the leg, then we're putting the ice in the wrong place. The ice needs to go directly over this lower lumbar part here. Boom, right on there. Most of the time, if you're wearing the right, well, if you're wearing any trousers, you just tuck it down the back of your trousers and leave it there for five minutes. Job done. Very simple, but do not use it on the leg, please. Okay, um, right, let's try to help Cheryl. She's left quite a long comment here. And so okay. she said that she's had sciatica in her right leg for over 10 years, which mm. she can cope with fairly well. But three days ago, she had a major flare up down her left leg, excruciating pain all the way down. She said, doesn't matter what she does, it's constant. If she engages her core, it pulls in her back. It makes it worse. She can't, she can't even lie down on the rolled up towel at the moment. Um, any suggestions? And also she says that the ice is making her worse. Okay, uh, so the first thing is is how long we're using the ice, where we're using the ice. The ice should be on the on the lower spine, yeah. um, right, right where I've just discussed. Uh, but this is a really, really uh, unfortunate but common example. Um, the, the statement I can I've I've managed to live with it in, in the one leg, but it's now gone into the other leg. Basically, you've had the same problem that's been lingering, and we haven't really, and, and obviously we don't I haven't we met you, we haven't discussed, we haven't chatted about anything at all, but. Uh, just sort of listen to this. We have these issues and we've probably been doing things to manage it that are incorrect for a long period of time. You know, if you've, if, 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 Cheryl, if you've been in the back and shape membership area in your phase one or phase two, 
you probably realize that there are a number of things in that we cover in, the, in those first sections in the basic free section that have been done over the years. Maybe if it's been 10 years, we've been doing 10 years of bad practice. And that's just allowed this problem to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse over the years. And then it's gone and, and flared up. And that really, this is a perfect example. So I'm really glad you've asked this question because it will have been an issue down here. What, what was the issue? Was it a disc injury? Was it degenerative disc disease? Was it arthritis in the spine? But it's been down here, irritating that sciatic nerve on the right side for a long period of time. And finally, it's just gone. And it's now irritating the other side as well. It's, it's likely the same injury, the same region, the same postcode, just a different door number that's been injured, if that makes sense. And, and, and are we using the ice in the right place, firstly? Secondly, are we doing those exercises correctly? Are we following the plan? Or are we doing ch uh, ch uh, knee hugs and those sorts of exercises that really aren't working properly? When we're engaging the core, a lot of people that have had these problems for long periods of time do a posterior pelvic tuck. They tuck the bum under when they engage the core. They do that, and that creates further injury in the lower back. So all these little things can be really, really um, uh, challenging to actually overcome. Uh, it's, it's a very, very common scenario if people just do the wrong thing and also bear in mind we may be using the ice at the very end but if we've done the hamstring stretch wrong this is a big problem of back pain and and sciatica comes under that if we've done if we've done for example the hamstring stretch wrong earlier in the routine or we've done a knee hug earlier in the day or we got off the towel and we did the forward bend and then we use the ice we've done a lot, we've done a lot of bad stuff and a lot of the cases with patients who have had it and been managing it for a long period of time they've been managing it with the wrong things and therefore they default to those wrong things as well as the back in shape stuff that we prescribe and that's where the issue does because the 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 good stuff won't outweigh the bad stuff that's been done and habitually been done for a long period of time mm. so we really need to focus in on technique make sure we're doing it correctly with 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 somebody like Shell who's had the problem for 10 years yeah. um you know if you're if you're kind of and uh, trying to uh, hold yourself away from the pain, it might affect your posture. Would it be worthwhile if, if you know if you've had the pain for ten years to actually get that postural analysis and get the X-ray done to really see what's going yeah, on? Yeah, in my, in my, it is. You're still going to have the, the thing is with the, the postural X-ray. The X-rays are, are really good and and they're so vital with really understanding your spine personally. Because sometimes yeah. people say, oh, well, you know, I don't believe that I could have that. I, you know, I've been told I've got this and. I'm going to go with that. But then when you get the x-ray, it's irrefutable. There it is in black yeah. and white. You can see it. There's no arguing with it. But the reality is that Cheryl's going to probably still have to do, well, no. Cheryl is still going to have to do the same exercises. She still needs to improve the ability to engage the core. She still needs to improve the ability of the spine to have lordosis. Unless there's something a little bit more complicated going on. The towel is also very uncomfortable for many, many people. If you're watching this right now and you've, you've done the towel before, I know some of the guys in the Back in Shape membership site have been doing this. Um, post in the comments below, how long did it take for the towel to become a relieving exercise for you? A lot of people, it's a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, especially if we've had a problem for a long period of time. Yeah, and just um, on that note, guys, we did actually record me doing the phase yep. one protocol, which will be available to the premium members. Yep. And, and I'm doing it whilst Mike is talking me through all the exercises really, really slowly. Um, which might be helpful for you that's coming out soon that'll be coming out later this week yeah um okay uh linda has asked i will be jumping over to youtube very soon uh linda has asked when i do the towel i get pain down my leg it's not extreme it's just a little twinge uh, is it okay to carry on yeah so a nice little uh measure for a lot of people especially as they're coming into these sorts of exercises is um although it might be uncomfortable during uh and, and a little bit after for sort of 10 to 15 minutes 
how do you feel one hour after finishing the routine? Um, use that as a time to take stock because some of these positions are a bit different, uh, especially if you've had a problem for a long period of time. We're breaking down some scar tissue, we're stretching some structures that haven't been stretched. Um, they can be a little bit uncomfortable during. But look at how we are that one hour later after we've done the icing, after we've been moving around again properly and not been doing any bad things. Uh, and, and really evaluate, is it meaningfully making anything worse? And if the answer to that is no, it's pretty much the same, carry on doing it. The towel for many people is uncomfortable and will give a little bit of referral pain from time to time as we first start doing it, but it does get easier and easier and often it becomes something that people really, really like doing. Yeah, I had this a question over text yesterday, actually. If I, if I am in pain, can I can I still do the yeah, face you, one? It's like, yes, you yeah, have you, to. It's the, safest, it's the safest possible exercises you could consider doing. Um, they're so, so gentle, but it always comes down to technique. On the stretching, people make mistakes of using their back when they, when they should just be moving the hip. The spine should not be moving on any of the exercises in phase one, other than when you're lying on the towel, it should have that supported lordosis, and that's it. Also check, are we doing, this is back for Cheryl, are we putting the towel in the right position? If you're putting the towel too low, you're gonna make things substantially worse. So double check those videos there. You know, there's, there's a lot of instruction in all of those videos, Make sure we're doing them right. Yeah, uh, just following on, Cheryl said, yes, yeah, she had an L5-S1 microdisectomy 10 years ago. Yeah. Since watching you, she stopped doing all the wrong exercises, Good. which I have been shown over the last 10 years. Yeah. And following your protocol, she said, I just think I need to come and see you. You're more than welcome, Cheryl. Yeah, I mean, it may be it may be worthwhile um, doing like a virtual consultation or something to just help get a bit of a better understanding. That's but a good idea. But, I, but I do say this example, um, Back pain is similar to diet and losing weight. And unfortunately, like Cheryl said there, many of you guys watching this will have the same experience. If you've been told that eating cake every day is gonna be a great strategy for weight loss for the last 10 years and you start eating salad and meat and doing some exercise, it's gonna take a bit of time. You're gonna have an upset stomach. You're gonna go, what on earth is all this roughage that's going through me? What's all this fiber? It feels horrible, but it will start to get better and you will start to get results. It just takes a little bit of time. Okay, awesome. Cheryl, I've just uh, sent you the link for the virtual consultation, just replied to you, just in case you did wanna book that in with Michael. Uh, we could probably fit you in later today, if not tomorrow. Yeah. Um, right, going back to Kate. Uh, if there is a degeneration in that area, there's obviously the vertebrae, which doesn't mend. Uh, is it enough to strengthen that area to prevent sciatica? Um, so I think what, what Kate's saying there, and uh, correct me Kate if I'm wrong, is that if there's some degenerative change in that region, maybe there's bony change, there's some arthritic change, etc. Is it enough to strengthen the core? And, and I'd say, well, what else are you going to do? You know, what, what else can we do in that region if there is an element of degenerative change? And, and it's worth me pointing this out to you guys. We get patients coming in. And obviously, as, as you know, we've mentioned time and time again, we do a lot of imaging. So we more, almost all the time we have a patient and an x-ray to go alongside it so we can see what's going on exactly. The amount of degeneration you can see people with in their spine, fractures, breaks, those sorts of things, and still able to live a pain-free life, it is astounding. It's just that when we have these injuries and we've had misguidance, all too often a lot of the exercises aren't actually strengthening exercises. They're just mobility exercises that don't really do anything productive in the long term. Um, patients just haven't managed to build any strength. And if we've got a degenerative disc, let's say we've got almost a gone disc at L5-S1, in a lot of cases, if we build up the strength, the support, the stability, improve the hip flexibility, we can really keep those symptoms at bay effectively for the, for the long term. We just need to... Uh, have the knowledge that 
this area is never going to be perfect. So I need to be a little bit stronger than I otherwise would in order to manage this area. I need to be a little bit more flexible in the hips than I otherwise would in order to make sure that not too much stress goes through this weak chain, this weak link in the chain, uh, so that it doesn't get exploited and injured. Because the reality is the soft tissue around those discs and those degenerate segments of the vertebra will go through a normal healing process. They will go through a normal remodeling process and they will start to heal and recover and stabilize with time if you can stop them being regularly re-injured and that comes from the strengthening. So it's, it's one thing that every single one of you guys watching this, no matter how bad your spine is or seems, uh, you can do this 100%. And, and we, we, you know, I won't bore you with all the stories of the patients that are coming, but th these exercises are perfectly safe for everybody. Um, just one thing that I will say about the virtual consultation that mm -hmm. we've had a lot of, first of all, fantastic feedback from people who have done it, but also they, you don't need to just book the one, We've yeah, had, some people have been having them as sort of checkups, you know, really to follow helpful. along with the protocols yeah. and they, they really find it helpful. It's horses for courses. Some people really like that. It's so, yeah. Yeah. Whatever works best for, for you, you yeah. know, you're more than welcome. Okay, I'm just going to jump over to YouTube. Uh, Georgina yeah. has asked a couple of questions here. She said, um, hi, uh, I suffer and have suffered for years, day and night, both sides due to an L5, uh, L4, L5 injury and then a bulging disc um, and arthritis, canal, stenos uh, canal stenosis. Um, so you have now explained why I am so. I'm tired all the time. I've got a Fitbit. So at the moment, I'm trying to walk 5,000 steps a day. Due to Good. emphysema, I am in, lo um, I'm in lockdown. Uh, is it okay to do the phase one? Uh, this pain sometimes makes it difficult to walk, but I persist in trying uh, to keep it up. Um, thanks for all you do. She's also got arthritis in the hips. Might make it worse. Yeah, I mean, um, that's quite a quite a little a little combination of, of, of bits and pieces that are there. We've got the injury in the lower back. We've got the injury in the hips as well. Arguably, um, the phase one is perfectly safe. And I mean, from a point of view of the the, the phase one stuff, this, in particular the hip flexor stretch, a lot of people that are stuck sat down with hip issues as well will be stuck in a position of flexion in the hips. So their hips are going to kind of be like that all day so the hip flexor stretch is probably going to be one that's going to be a bit uncomfortable for you but really really helpful um all of the hip flexors all of the hip flexibility stretches are going to be useful there to keep those hips as healthy as possible and if we can they'll take the stress off the back now the stenosis it sounds as though it's likely coming from maybe a bit of degeneration if it's been there a long time but also that disc bulge and really you know as we get on the towel and we unload those discs through here it's going to take a bit of pressure off those discs and off that area. I'd be continuing the icing. The one problem with stenosis, if there's an element of bony stenosis, and we cover this on one of the live streams, is that the hole gets smaller. So a smaller amount of injury will result in more significant symptoms for you. You're more likely for it to reach a critical mass where it starts to irritate the nerves compared to someone with a big hole. A small hole fills up faster. So using the ice a little bit more regularly can help just keep the inflammation at a manageable level there with mobility and with trying your best to walk around the house as much as is, is manageable in short stints will really will really help you. And, and really, I think moving into the sort of phase two exercises when you can is going to be necessary. Uh, two reasons. Number one, if we've got emphysema, we want to improve the cardiovascular system and maybe we can do some live streams on these and the benefits of it. But emphysema, the one thing you have to do with that is we've got a decreased capacity to absorb oxygen so if we can improve our circulatory system our cardiovascular system and it'll take you a much much longer to do this but you can make improvement then you're going to have a more effective cardiovascular system that can transport a diminished amount of oxygen around our body and support and provide nutrition and oxygenation to those tissues that are trying to recover so try your best to, to slowly push it over time and don't try and race 
make make progress in your at your own pace take a long-term view of it we're going to slowly go through the phase one phase two phase three exercises we're going to slowly increase the amount of cardiovascular exercise that we do on a daily basis maybe every week you walk for 30 seconds longer mm. that might be it but after a year that's going to be a lot of a lot of time that you're able to to improve and a lot of people if a little bit of patience really goes a long way because that patience of only trying to walk an extra 30 seconds a week will really allow you to build up over the long term and you progress in such a slow way that you're giving your body with good nutrition you've got to get good nutrition um the, the, the support it needs to actually make some real recovery over the long term you'll just adapt a bit more slowly but you can do it yeah um we've actually got those uh the copd videos on yeah. our youtube channel that we yeah. shot I've got, I've got a family member that actually has copd and emphysema georgina um and, and as soon as lockdown happened uh we shot a couple of videos in the clinic for emphysema yeah exercises which are prescribed on the nhs but of course they just give you a piece of paper very easy to yeah lose we kind of went through all the vid- we went so through we all the exercises so check, check that check that video out yeah uh, it's just on the youtube channel so i think it's copd part one yeah part, COP, yeah part one and part two part one's easier part two is more challenging um okay let me just move back over to facebook uh linda has said just a comment that was very good clear uh, explanation thank you um Fortunately, uh, this is working and the pain is ran out. That's so wonderful. Thank you awesome. so much. Yeah, it takes time. And, and, and quite often with some of these new exercises, just where I get in the next question, Lara, um, so with some of these new exercises, they do elicit a little bit of a reaction. Um, you know, it's something new. Uh, and, and sometimes people are, have had the problem for such a long period of time. They've been thrown in so many different directions that they just shy away from everything, but really have the confidence that these things are really, really safe. And if we're doing them technically correctly, that's the first thing then they will start to work and start to make improvements. Yeah, brilliant. And Kate's also uh, said, uh, thanks. It was a bit soul destroying in the past when I've been told yeah. that nothing can be done. So, you know, Kate's doing well, which is yeah, good. Yeah, it really bothers me that people are constantly told that nothing can be done, especially some of the, I mean, we've had some patients that they, all they've been given is painkillers. They've had it for 10 years and they've been told that nothing can be done and they've had no help. Yeah. You know, it, it's really, uh, it's unfortunate um, because it's something that you're ultimately, without getting too much into it, you can live with back pain essentially it's not going to kill you tomorrow and therefore the kind of the the attitude seems to be you know just kind of get on with it at home and, and here's some painkillers and just just go away because i've got these other people to deal with so you know it, it, there are a lot of things that you guys can do and hopefully well as, as, as linda said and as Kate said you know you, when you're in the back in shape you can see that there are things you can do it's just that you need a little bit of guidance and, and also a lot of the noise and the bad information needs to be removed so that you're not making those mistakes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Gloria is on. She's asked, what measure can I take to rehydrate my discs? Uh, so the decompression um, stretch is going to help unload those discs so they can actually rehydrate a little bit. Um, it does depend. So if we've lost more than really 50% of that disc height, then essentially inside the discs you've got, if I draw it up on the board for you guys, um, so the discs have like this cartilage outside of shell or ligaments. And on the inside, we've got this, this bit here, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and that is basically the nucleus. It, it's got these things called proteoglycan molecules and they basically hold on to water. And if our disc drops too much and we lose to lose those, they can't really be put back. So we're on about stabilizing the disc and making sure that these ligaments here heal effectively so they can restore the integrity of the disc so we don't lose any more. We're not necessarily going to be able to put it back in because we don't have those molecules that will hold on to the water anymore or in the number that they were before. So it kind of depends in terms of dehydrate, in terms of rehydrating those discs, how far gone you are. But the decompression stretch with the towel is an awesome one to help unload them. And that creates a negative pressure inside the disc, 
and that does draw things back in. It's just like your kitchen sponge. If you squeeze your kitchen sponge really tight and it's been squeezed for 10 years and then you put it in the water and let it go, it's gonna soak back up that surrounding fluid and really help get nutrients and things back into that disc. So that's really how it works. Perfect, awesome. How that makes sense with the kitchen sponge. <laughs> and just keeping hydrated, I guess. Yeah, and, and obviously keeping hydrated. A lot of people don't drink enough water. Mm-hmm. It's quite warm now and some people actually do more exercise than they were before lockdown because you really cherish that bit of time out of the house and uh, make sure you're staying hydrated. It's really important. Okay, awesome. I think so. Last question because we actually yep. have to get over to the clinic. Yep. Um, <laughs> I was just looking at that. Um, if uh, if the problem has been going on for years, is from Karen, um, mm. and you've tried uh, different treatment methods in the past, can this still be cured uh, with exercises from home? Uh, I mean, there's a good chance. You you basically need to. So if you've had this for a long period of time, you've tried lots of treatments and they haven't worked. You need to take 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 these things on board. Number one. Have they identified the injured tissue and have they been treating the injured tissue? Have you had a bunch of treatment on the leg? Like a lot of people with sciatica, as soon as it's on topic today, have had loads of treatment, but it's all been treating the leg. None of it's really been treating the back and the stuff that has been done on the back has been things like knee hugs, which don't help. So if you're watching our stuff, be it on our YouTube channel or you're actually in the membership on the basic section and you're thinking, hmm, this stuff sounds a bit different to what I've been told before, then there is a very good chance that it will work for you given a bit of time. Obviously, you're going to need to give it more time if you've had it for longer, but there's a very good chance. Now, if you're coming on here and you're saying, well, I've already done all this stuff specifically and not done the bad stuff at the same time, that's just so infrequent. It's so rare. And, and one thing I would say, one final thing on that particular question is we get a lot of people, we can actually see guys, um, everyone that logs into the Back in Shape membership site and we can see which lessons that they've done. And unfortunately, we get a lot of people that jump into basic and they skip the first four lessons that tell you all the stuff that you shouldn't be doing and get straight to the exercises. And this is a big problem. Um, there's the information's there because it helps you and you could be doing those correct exercises but at the end of the day it's 24 hours in a day maybe we spend 16 of those awake if you're only doing those exercises correctly for a total of one hour in the day you've got 15 hours of doing the wrong stuff and if we're skipping those initial lessons that actually tell you guys and draw attention to the things that have been done wrong in the past then you're you're, you're basically skipping on yourself and that really does frustrate us because it's free information that we've put out to try and help people so please 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 use it watch the free stuff because it is there and it helps you, especially if you're in the basic only. It'll help you understand your problem. And exactly as Karen said there, if you've had it for a long period of time, you can help, you can get better if you realize that you haven't been treating the right issue, you haven't been doing the right exercise, you've been making these mistakes over the years. There's a very, very good chance it can it can it can help you okay brilliant yeah just awesome last note just georgian just said thanks for the answer she's going to check out the cop tv uh cop yeah, video I, now they were they were they, were they were good fun to do and i think they'll really help you because we just took the nhs exercises and did them so you yeah. can actually see what they're like uh, and then follow along you know it's a really good one you just follow along uh with with it with it playing and um it, it, it's i thought it was quite a good good fun yeah, to shoot and i think as well. it is it's just one of those conditions where you have to maintain you know your lung capacity yeah. as much as possible so if you know anybody else who suffers from emphysema oh yeah share it with you, them please do share it it's completely free yeah. on youtube part one part two yeah. really helps really really simple and again that's what i said it's all free on youtube yeah so hopefully you guys have found this video helpful today. A little bit of uh, expanded Q&A for today's live stream. Thanks, um, if you are new to the channel, please do consider subscribing uh, to the channel. You can do that by hitting the subscribe button and the notification bell. Many of you guys that watch us regularly or sometimes watch this after the fact because you missed the live stream. If you're watching on YouTube, you can go to YouTube slash The Mayfair Clinic slash live. Uh, and you can hit remind me on there and that'll remind you of any future live streams that we do. Uh, so that's worth knowing about or just log into that website page 
at the time we're doing the live stream and you'll pop up straight away like that. Lotties are on YouTube. If you're watching us on Facebook, then you, you know just go onto the Facebook page and you'll see it there. You can hit remind and it'll remind you to pop on so you don't miss the live streams. Hopefully you guys have a great afternoon. Enjoy the sunshine and we will see you tomorrow with another live stream. We're talking about pronation yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and how it impacts back pain, I believe, or yeah. something to that effect. You guys will see 8.45 tomorrow, UK time. See you then. Have a great day.